may the majority rule. With motions of thinly suppressed violence, Movius folded the paper, thrust it into a pocket. For tax economy reasons. They could get a yes-op matricide for tax economy reasons. One last look around the office. It was a big place, scaled for a large man, an orderliness to it under the apparently random placement of desk, filing cabinets, piled baskets of papers. There was a smell about the room of oily furniture polish and that kind of bitter chemical odor found in the presence of much paper. It was a room with an air of dedication and no doubt about it. Dedication to quadruplicate copies and the right way of doing the job. Movius noted that his phone had been dislodged from its cradle beside the desk. He replaced it, ran a hand through his stubble of close-cropped sandy hair. Unwilling now that the moment had come to say goodbye to this space in which he had worked four years. The room fitted him like an old saddle, or like the body marks in a long-used bed. He had worn his grooves into the place. Low opt. And with so much unfinished work. Bu op and Bu Q were going to be at each other's throats before the month was out. The government was damned soon going to find out it had need for liaison. The bureaus were too jealous of their domains. Damn them. He stared at the workmen. They had cleared two files, were emptying a third. Movius was ignored, another discard to be stored away and forgotten. He wanted to fling himself on the men, knock them into a corner, scatter the papers, wreck things, tear things, destroy. He turned and walked quietly out of the office, out of the building. On the front steps, he paused, his eyes seeking out his parking slot in the third row. There was Navi London, the driver, leaning against the familiar black scarab shape of the car. The car, a primary token of authority. Sunlight shimmered on the flat antenna which spanned the curving roof. Movius looked up to the left where the scintillant red relay ship hovered above the spire of the prime generator, sending out its invisible flagellae of communication and energy beams from which the city sucked its power. He wished for the strength to hurl all of his pent-up curses at this symbol of authority. Instead, he lowered his eyes, again sought out the car, that tiny extension of the relay ship. Navi leaned against the grill in his characteristic slouch, reading a book, one of those inevitably deep things he always carried. The driver pulled at his lower lip with thumb and forefinger, turned a page. Movius suspected that some of Navi's books were on the contraband lists, but the man was the kind to carry it off. A look of youthful innocence in his brown eyes, a wisp of black hair down across his forehead to heighten the effect. A contraband book, sir? Great gallop! I didn't think there were any more of those things drifting about. Thought the government had burned them all. Fellow handed it to me on the street the other day when I asked what he was reading. Seeing Navi brought back a disquieting thought. How had Navi known about the low op? How did a labor pool driver get official information before it became official?
Movius slipped between the first-ranked cars, the second-ranked cars, slowed his pace as he approached the relaxed figure of the driver. Navi sensed Movius's presence, looked up, pushed himself away from the car. His young old face became contemplative. Now do you believe me, sir? Movius drew a deep breath. How did you know? The contemplative look was replaced by casualness. It came over the LP grapevine. That's what you said before. I want to know how. Maybe you'll find out now that you're an LP, said Navi. He turned toward the car. Any place I can take you? They haven't assigned me yet. They're still upstairs wrangling over who'll get my carcass. I'm no longer privileged, Navi. It's forbidden. So it's forbidden. He opened the rear door of the car. They know.